I was uh, brought up in the north of England, as if you uh, couldn't recognize that. <laughs> My father um, used to do all the decorating in our house, paper hanging. And uh, I used to help him, not very well. But um, he said to us, he said, when you're hanging paper, when you do the next one, always take the subsequent pieces of paper from the original. Don't take the next one off the next one off the next one because you'll get slight variations and you could finish up where the pattern goes down. And it's highly annoying if you see the pattern going down. So this morning, I'm looking at some of the original. We're going to get back a little bit to some of the original, how it was, how it should be, and by the grace of God, how it can be again. So if you brought a Bible with you, which I hope every single one of you has brought a Bible along today, um, the cameras are going round the building, <laughs> seeing who has not brought the Word of God with them. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. This is one week after the resurrection, where we celebrate, as we did last week, the resurrection of Jesus. This, in the church calendar, is one week after the day where Thomas eventually said, my Lord and my God. And then, of course, um, 40 days after that, this is what happened. Chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. May the Lord bless that part of the scripture to us today. 
Um, the day when Jesus walked into the lives of ordinary people was a moment of absolute destiny to them. Some of the uh, disciples were fishermen, earned their living by catching fish and selling them, etc. Matthew was a tax collector, others had various occupations. <clears throat> but the day that Jesus walked into their lives was an absolute paradigm shift in their thinking and in their experience. They would never be the same again. They were introduced to a way of living that they probably had never thought was possible. Jesus was someone who knew things that others did not know. <laughs> For instance, when Philip brought Nathanael to Christ, Jesus looked at Nathanael and he said, here is a true Israelite indeed, in, in whom there is no guile or deceit. And Nathanael said to Jesus, Jesus, how did you know me? And he said, I saw you, Nathanael, when you were sat under that fig tree before Philip called you. <laughs> well, Nathanael, he said, Lord, he said, Lord, you, you are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. Jesus knew things that other people did not know. One day, he sat by a well in Samaria and a lady came out to draw water. The disciples had gone into the city to get some food and Jesus turned to this woman and he said, would you give me a drink? And she was a Samaritan. Now the, 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 the Jews and the Samaritans were not talking to one another. A little bit like that's happening in Israel at the moment. <laughs> They're not talking to each other. So Jesus said, woman, he said, if you really knew who was talking to you, you would have asked him for a drink. And he would have given you living water that you would never, ever thirst again. Now she's thinking H2O. She's thinking of water. He's talking about satisfaction in your heart and in your spirit that you would never be thirsty again. And they get talking uh, to one another. <clears throat> and uh, eventually uh, she said to him, she said, give me this living water that you're talking about. And Jesus said, go and call your husband and come back here. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, too right you have said you have no husband, but you have had five husbands. <laughs> and the one you have now, he's not your husband. <laughs> well, I could feel her jaw drop straight up. <gasps> How does he know that? Because he knows things. He was working on a different principle. He was living in a new reality. <clears throat> um, his enemies, it says uh, in, in Mark 7, after the great Sermon on the Mount, that is the most wonderful, inspiring message you would ever uh, hear or read, he said, so it was when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished. Oh, I'm running ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, he, he not only knew things, but he, 
He said things, he spoke things that others didn't know. His teaching was uh, inspirational. His teaching was heaven-centered and lifting people. And as I say, <clears throat> uh, after his great teaching, the people were amazed and astonished that with authority he taught them. And when he stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he, he turned to the Bible. Now, they didn't have a Bible like we have now. They had a, a scroll, and he rolled out this scroll. And he found the place where it was written, and in our Bible, it's Isaiah 61. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus was speaking, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the regaining of sight to the blind. He has sent me to those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everybody were upon him. And he said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it says, and all were speaking well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that poured forth from his mouth. And you might remember later on in his ministry when some of his enemies sent spies to trap him in his words and to bring him to the authorities to be arrested. And it was the time when uh, the Feast of Tabernacles was on. And there were crowds of people there. And on the last great day of that feast that lasted seven days, on that last great day, Jesus stood and cried, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly or inner being will flow rivers of living water. And there was such power in his words, that when these people who had come from the scribes and Pharisees to arrest Jesus, they went back empty-handed and they said, why haven't you brought him? And they said, never anyone spoke like this man. And of course, Peter said to Jesus, didn't he, to whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. <clears throat> so he knew things that others didn't know. He spoke things that others didn't say, and he did things that others did not do. <clears throat> he changed water into wine. When they ran out of wine at the wedding, he changed the water into wine. <clears throat> he opened the eyes of the blind. He cleansed the leper. He raised the dead. He raised at least three people from the dead. Jairus' daughter, the widow's son at Nain, and Lazarus. He was the person who did things that nobody else did. And the disciples were with him for three and a half years. They were lifted in their expectation of him. They were seeing things, they were hearing things that others had not seen. In fact, Jesus himself had said, uh, people in the past, he said, Abram rejoiced to see my day. He said, and there's lots of people way down the centuries have longed to see the things that you see, but they have not seen them and to hear the things that you are hearing and they have not heard them. It was a different lifestyle. It was a paradigm shift. It was something that they could not have envisaged 
while they were still fishing on the Sea of Galilee or collecting the money for the taxes. Uh, this was something that they had been brought into and for three and a half years they had witnessed these things. But then <clears throat> their miracle man had been taken by wicked hands, condemned to death, taken and crucified on the cross. And I don't think for a minute that the disciples said on the day after Good Friday, on Easter, what we call Easter Saturday, I don't think the disciples were saying, don't worry, it'll be all right, he's going to come back somehow. These disciples were shattered. Their faith was shattered. Their hopes were broken. In fact, the two of them on the road to Emmaus, they were confused, perplexed. They didn't know what to believe. Their hopes were dashed. And they were not in a place of confidence or victory. <clears throat> they all needed the Lord to be raised again from the dead. <clears throat> On Easter Sunday morning, the eternal spirit of God that was there long before the, 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 the creation of the physical world, that eternal spirit that breathed the universe into existence, that eternal spirit of God entered the dead corpse of Jesus of Nazareth and up from the grave he arose and he came forth triumphant from the grave there was something of that eternity that they were born in now don't think I've gone over to the dark side will you <clears throat> but we had a um, total eclipse of the sun here in Plymouth on August the 11th, 1999. And I, along with thousands of others, was on the whole waiting for the eclipse of the sun. And I had a very strange feeling. As it got completely dark, I thought I heard the moon rumbling past. <laughs> And I felt part of the universe. <laughs> Sounds like I've gone over, doesn't it? <clears throat> that I was part of something eternal that had gone on and gone on and gone on. Millennium past. <laughs> and God is before all things. And he created all things. And his spirit entered the dead corpse of Jesus of Nazareth. And praise God, up from the grave he came. Never to die again. <clears throat> so living in a, in, in, in a new dimension, a new form of living. How did the disciples begin to live post-resurrection. In view of the resurrection of Christ, how did they live? <clears throat> well, first of all, they lived in the knowledge that physical death 
had been conquered. Jesus had won the victory. <clears throat> there were two on, as I've told you, on walking from Jerusalem up to the road to their little village of Emmaus, uh, and Jesus walked with them. And he said, why are you walking along like this? And you look sad. And they began to tell them why they were sad. Because they said that their leader, Jesus of Nazareth, had been crucified, that they had hoped he would have been the Messiah, trusted that he could have been the one that Moses and all the prophets had spoken about. And, and some women said they'd seen him, but then they didn't believe, we didn't believe them either. And, and they're going along like this. And Jesus was walking with them, but they were unable to recognize him. It was, a, it was a spiritual thing, I believe, that they were unable to recognize him. And then he began to talk to them. He said, all foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Ought not the Christ to have suffered and to have entered into his glory? And then he gave them a Bible study that was electric, <laughs> You know, sometimes you can have a Bible study and you're bored silly, aren't you? <clears throat> well, we hope not at this church. Nobody's falling asleep here. <laughs> well, he started in Genesis. He went through the law and the prophets and he expounded to them in all the scriptures and in the Psalms the things concerning himself. And as they're walking along, they're getting more and more enthusiastic and more and more encouraged and more and more in faith and their heart, the Bible says their heart was burning within them and they said, stranger they said, it's getting towards the evening and, and why don't you come and stay with us? We don't even know your name, stranger, but while you've been talking to us, we want to be with you <laughs> come in and have some lunch with us and stay the night and then while Jesus was breaking bread I don't know what happened whether they saw the nail prints in his hands or whether it was just a spiritual revelation I'm not sure but they recognized him and he vanished out of their sight and then these discouraged downcast disciples ran all the way back to Jerusalem and the, 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 the disciples were, were, were met together and they said these words. They said, it is true. It's true. Jesus has raised, been raised from the dead. <clears throat> the women were right. Now, when we were in Israel, I was talking a little bit about this then. <clears throat> and in that, don't stone me. Ladies, refrain for a moment because it's okay. <clears throat> In that culture, women were seen not as a reliable witness. And if you wanted to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, you would have not have sent a woman to do it. Now, we're not like that here, of course. We're not as bad as them. <clears throat> but here, it's the women that announced the resurrection. Mary Magdalene and the other men. It was the women. So if you were going to try and convince somebody of, of something that was a mythological or just a story, you would not have sent a woman. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians and was 
convincing his uh, hearers of the truth of the resurrection, he doesn't even mention a woman. <laughs> this is what he says. He, he said, Jesus appeared to Peter, then to the 12, then to 500 brothers. Some have died, but there's a lot of them still alive. Then he appeared to James, and then all the apostles. He said, and last of all, he, he, he appeared to me also, <clears throat> as a, someone born at the wrong time. Um, <clears throat> so, um, they would not have used a woman to proclaim the resurrection of Christ. But praise God, it was the women first of all, and then the men cottoned on, and they said, it's true, he's risen. So these new disciples were living with the reality that Jesus was alive. <clears throat> and then my second thought <clears throat> this morning for you is in this post-resurrection era was the fact that before Christ ascended to heaven, after his resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, there were 40 days in which he would appear to them and then he would disappear. Um, then he would appear again. He appeared a week later to Thomas, didn't he? You might remember where Thomas said, Jesus said to him, Thomas, come on, put your finger in my hand. Put your hand in the side where the soldier stabbed me. Uh, don't be faithless, but believing. And Thomas fell down and said, my Lord and my God. Then the, the, they were meeting up in Galilee where he recommissioned Peter, asked him if he loved him. You remember the story. But Jesus appeared and disappeared. The message of those 40 days is this, that even though Jesus was unseen, he was still present. And this morning, Christ is unseen but present. Jesus said in, in the end of Matthew, <clears throat> he said, Jesus came to his disciples. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always. That's what he said. And in Hebrews chapter 13, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. The immediate presence of God living in this new way, in this uh, post-resurrection life, <clears throat> this new reality is one that realizes that death has been conquered and also realizes that Christ is with us even when we can't actually see him physically. The imminence of God. John Wesley, that great uh, founder of the uh, Methodist movement, on his dying, uh, on his deathbed, he said, and best of all, God is with us. Yeah. The fact that Christ is with us 
has been a comfort to people all down the ages. That beautiful psalm we often refer to, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and my cup runs over. Hallelujah. How many of us have been comforted and strengthened by words like that in the Bible? That even though you go through valley experiences, you might lose your job, you might lose your partner, you might lose your health, you might go through valleys in your life, but the Lord says, I will be with you. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. <clears throat> when you pass through the waters, he goes on to say, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Fear not, he said, I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. Uh, and and uh, I will be with you. You will not be burned like those three Hebrew children that the old King Nebuchadnezzar had thrown in the fire. <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king looked, he said, didn't we throw three in? He said, I see four. And the form of the fourth, in the original, it says, is like the son of the gods. Christ was with them in the fire. And Christ will be with you and me in the fire and in the flood. When the waters of trouble sweep your way, and when the fire, fires of temptation and persecution or whatever come your way, the Lord has said, I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. These, these 40 days after the resurrection were to get it into the minds of the disciples. Look, I've been with you for three and a half years. We have ate together. We've slept together, we've fellowshiped together, we've been on mountains, we've been in valleys, we've lived our lives together for three and a half years and now I've gone but I've not gone. I'm still here and I'm still with you. What a great comfort it is, my dear friends, today <clears throat> to know that Christ is with us. The people in the Old Testament were... Um, rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And when the children of Israel came back from captivity, they, <clears throat> they started to rebuild the temple, but they had only got the foundations fixed. And they had left off building it for 15 years. And then God sent a prophet to them, <clears throat> to this discouraged people. And this is what the prophet Haggai said. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. He was one of the leaders, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So living... In this new reality is a reality that death has been conquered by the Lord. The new reality is that Christ is with us even though 
he is unseen by us, by our natural eyes. So we can boldly cast our burden upon the Lord, for he will be with us. All your cares and worries, maybe some of you have health problems, Uh, some of you maybe have finance problems, and we're hearing it all the time, aren't we, on on the news. Some have relationships, difficulties, some are a bit anxious about the future. I'm going to ask you to begin to live in this new reality of knowing that Christ has conquered death and that Christ has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Maybe this morning as we're in church together, some of you maybe have never yet trusted the Lord as your saviour and friend and you would like to do that you would like to begin to follow Christ or maybe there's some of us here this morning and we've been living like Saturday afternoon Easter Saturday saints Easter Saturday saints are miserable people (laughs) because they don't know the significance of Good Friday and they don't know the victory of Easter Sunday. They're somewhere in the middle. (laughs) They don't know why Christ has died and they've still not got the joy of knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead. And the Easter Saturday saints and maybe in church this morning you've been carrying burdens and worries and cares not knowing and feeling that God's forsaken you and God's left you. He's not interested in you. He's only interested in other people, not interested in you. This word comes to you this morning. I will never leave you and I will never, ever forsake you. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Can we grasp hold of that today? Can we hold on to it? Can we take it into life and live as men and women in a new reality of Christian living. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Would you pray with me, friends? Maybe in church this morning, you've never yet followed Christ fully and you'd like to do that or, or at least you'd like to, to find out more. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to ask you to indicate to me afterward if you, if you prayed that prayer or maybe there's someone who, and maybe you did walk with the Lord and, and somehow things have come in and difficulties have arisen and, uh, and you've kind of walked at a distance and this morning you're coming back to God and you want to begin afresh to follow him. I'm going to pray for you as well. All right, so let's pray. Pray this in your heart for those who, um, who want to begin to follow Christ today. Would you pray this? Heavenly Father, I come to you now I realize that I have done things I should never have done and I have omitted things 
that I should have done. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm truly sorry for the past. And I thank you that Christ Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave that I might have a place in heaven. I ask you, Lord, to forgive the past. Write my name in heaven's register. And from this moment forward, I want to follow you. And for those maybe who have grown a little cold in heart, not lived in the victory of Christ's victory upon the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension, you want to begin afresh this morning to follow Christ. Maybe you'd like to pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I recommit my life to you this, mo this morning to follow you wholeheartedly, to live for you, and to live as a Christian should live. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that your arms are still open for people like me. And I come to you now, Lord. And for the rest of my days, I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, while we're all in prayer and our eyes are closed, if you prayed one of those prayers this morning, heaven knows. And I'm going to ask you if you'd raise your hand just to indicate to me, yes, you did. And uh, God bless you, sir. God bless you. I can see you, yes. There are others around in the balcony yet. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Father, we pray. We thank you, Lord, that others may be bless God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Please stand with us, would you, <coughs> uh, friends? <coughs> bless your name. Father, we do thank you for these that have raised their hands this morning and for others maybe that prayed it in their hearts but, uh, but felt they couldn't just respond. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you'll touch each one and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.